What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Carbide Podcast presented by Woody's Traction. Although it's pretty bleak here in the Midwest at the moment, with the holidays coming up, be sure to head over to woodystraction.com or your local dealer to grab something for that snowmobile lover in your life. Our guest this week was maybe the third or fourth guy on my list when I started this podcast. He's been around the sport longer than most of us have been alive, and he's had the chance to learn from and work with some of the top names in the snowmobile industry. Despite all this, he's probably the kindest person you'll ever meet, and he was gracious enough to share some of his stories with us. So please enjoy my interview with Mr. Rick Strobel. And welcome back, everybody, to the Carbide Podcast, presented by Woody's Traction. Appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. On the line tonight, longtime industry veteran and former racer, spent time with Team Fast, Yamaha, Shearing Speed Sports, his current role is race manager for Fox Shocks. He's Rick Strobel. How are we doing, Rick? We're doing great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, it, uh, hopefully people will enjoy hearing a little bit of history. Uh, I've been around the industry probably too long, <laughs> as some people would say. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been it's been a fun ride so far. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Like like I was telling you before, every time I talk to somebody and mention this uh, this upcoming interview, they give me a different story of something else you did that I didn't know about. So I think it's going to be a, a good time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, been this is what I've done my whole life is uh, worked on snowmobiles or something in the snowmobile industry for sure. So going back to some of the early days for you, Rick, when did you first get introduced to the sport of snowmobiling? Actually, uh Back in the late 80s, probably like 87 or so, ended up working for a dealership in Brainerd, Minnesota, that was a marine dealership. Mm -hmm. When I first started there, then they ended up bringing on Skidoo snowmobiles. And uh, a guy by the name of uh, Sherman Engesser worked there, a longtime old racer from way back in the day, from the 70s and 80s and that. Um, He worked there at the same time, and uh, everybody knew him as Cowboy was his nickname back in the day and um he was racing not really racing at the time but uh he's like we got to go racing and i'm like okay Mm -hmm. i'm just a kid that's not even out of high school yet you know Mm -hmm. he's like i'll put you in a junior class and we'll go race and you can ride my sled i'm like okay and he was racing he was gonna race too and so we ended up going racing a little bit and then this dealership that i was working with they really enjoyed it and really liked what we were doing because we were getting their name out because they were new into the snowmobile industry. They were a marine dealer called Vacation Land Marine back in the day on mm-hmm. the north side of Brainerd. And uh, they have, ended up supporting us and getting us some sleds. And And uh, I raced a junior class the next year, probably 88 or so. And he was racing at the same time and um, raced there for a couple years um, with him. And then that dealership ended up just going back to strictly the marine side of it. Okay. And a guy by the name of Steve Vanderputty, longtime buddy of mine, um, you he called me up and he said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to get the Skidoo dealership at Brainerd Yamaha at the time is what the name of the auto imports Brainerd Yamaha." And he's like, "Hey, we're going to get the Skidoo dealership. You want to come work for me? And I want to go racing just like you have been doing." So this is 1990 or 91. I just was graduating high school. Okay. And uh, he's like, hey, why don't you come and race and work for me because we're going to be a skidoo dealer now. And I was like, okay, sounds good. So we ended up going there right out of high school, started racing for him, 
working, of course, during the day, racing on the weekends. He started racing with me. We had this the team, uh, Brainerd Yamaha Skidoo, uh, raced there until probably 93 with him. Had a great time. Great, great guy. Just unbelievable. Steve was such a good buddy of mine and did a lot. Did a lot for me. And um, so, and then at that time we were racing skidoos and Team Fast was a huge supporter of skidoo racing. Mm -hmm. Um, They were like the support crew and sold racing parts back in the day for skidoo. And so when you needed performance parts, you would always call them to get your parts and stuff like that. And then I started to know Gerard, Randy, and David because Mm -hmm. of that, because they were they were they owned the business, right? So it started to end up going up there. And they were like, why don't you come up here and test with us? I was like, okay, because we needed parts and stuff like that. And they were making performance parts and they needed somebody to test with them, right? So started to end up going up there and testing with them on different performance parts and all that. And then uh was hanging out there quite a bit in the summer and winter and all this stuff and uh and all of us and then at the time, I was still working in Brainerd and traveling to Eveleth back and forth like every week, it seemed like. And mm-hmm. during that time, I ended up meeting my wife, that Gerard and Randy and David's sister, Denise, that I'm still married to this day for 30-some years just about now. <laughs> so um, it tells you a little, gives you a little date on all of them. But uh, <laughs> anyways, um, met her, started hanging up there more. And I go to I go to Randy. And I said, Randy, I just want to move up here. And he's like, What do you mean? Mm-hmm. I, said, I want to move up here and live up here. I just don't want. To, I'm sick of traveling back and forth to Brainerd because I would sometimes I would leave at five o'clock in the morning and be to work at eight o'clock in the morning, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, he's like, Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if we need anybody. And he's like, So I was going back and forth still at this time, and then. Gerard shows up one day and said, Gerard, I want to work here. And Gerard's like, nope, you're not working here. You're a racer. You, you, we, we don't need you here right now. And I'm like, well, come on, Gerard. I want to really work here. And so then I go back to Randy, and I'm working on Randy. And I'm like, Randy, I want to work here. And Randy's like, fine, go to work. Go build. <laughs> He's like, go build M10s or something like that. So, so the next day I'm all excited, and I go into the office there at Fast. And we were out at the lake building at this time. And uh, – I'm sitting there working and Gerard comes in in the morning, like at 7.30 in the morning. And he looks over at me. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm working. He's like, no, you're not working here. <laughs> I'm like, Gerard, you don't understand. Randy hired me. He's like, what do you mean he hired you? I'm like, Randy hired me. I'm working here now. No, I told you to go back to the <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not getting rid of me that easy. Well, anyways, long story short, it's been a long time story of the family of the Carpet Boys. Mm-hmm. Is like how I wouldn't say I wouldn't take the word no. I just kept mm-hmm. on coming back. And so, anyways, I ended up going to work there. And this is probably '93, '94. Mm-hmm. And that would have been about the time. At that same time was when we started the fast. Then was starting the race team uh, with Tony. Mm-hmm and myself and uh we had brought gerard and then would working on bringing tony over and he started racing here and then that next summer we formed the the team with us three drivers at that point and then gerard's like well 
Tony's moving over here and we need a place for him to stay. And I'm like, well, where are you going to put him up at? And they're like, well, you got an extra bed at your house. And I was like, that time I go to Denise and like, Denise, uh, Gerard wants to put Tony at our house for the summer. And Denise's like, well, I don't know. I'm sh- I guess so, whatever. So anyways, Tony and his girlfriend moved in with us for the summer and that winter, uh, the first year that we raced as the team. And then I was racing and we were, we had we had quite the comedy going on between me and Tony. And we were first first year team starting up new sleds, a lot mm-hmm. of chaos going on, like always, right? Just a lot of mm-hmm. work. Many, many many late night hours and uh it was it was quite the quite the program but it was a lot of fun right i wouldn't trade any of it for a minute you know and tony tony raced with, with us for a few years there and 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 i was racing and then i kind of transitioned a little bit out of racing and more of the crew chief side of it because it was just there was so much stuff going on and and between fast and the race team and all this stuff that we just couldn't keep up right it was just it mm-hmm. was a the timing of everything was just growing so quickly at fast. We had so many things going on. And at that time we started talking about making our own snowmobile and stuff like that. And uh, so it was a lot of stuff going on. And Gerard asked me, he's like, Hey, I'd like you to step. I'd like you to kind of take over more of the role of, and David, I should say David is the one uh, take over more of a role of, managing the team and stuff like that so i kind of at that point kind of started stepping away probably in 95 ish uh 94 95 started stepping away from racing uh, at that mm-hmm. time and doing more of a work role mm-hmm. um and then and then right about 95 ish randy decided to go to work for yamaha as their racing manager mm-hmm. uh, he had left fast at that point moved to the cities and going to become the racing manager at uh, Yamaha. So mm-hmm. he, he moved down there, and he called me up one day, and he's like, hey, they got a position open at Yamaha to be a suspension a suspension guy. They're working on uh, suspensions and shocks and all this kind of stuff at Yamaha and Coon Rapids. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I want to move to the cities. Well, then Jim Kettiger calls me, and, and so I have many conversations going back and forth. Well, Needless to say, in 96, and I think it was been August of 96, ended up moving down to the cities and going to work for Yamaha and uh, mm-hmm. doing a bunch of suspension, like the 90, 98, I think it been 98, 98, 99 SRXs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I did a work on those sleds and the SX of course and uh did a bunch of suspension around that time for Yamaha so ended up uh, moving into getting all out of racing at that point in 96 mm-hmm. left racing went to work had to make some money everybody says well there's it a time when it's like it's time when it's time it's time to go make some money yep. you're playing so anyways Randy I put it more to Randy is how I ended up getting down in the Yamaha side of it. Uh, mm-hmm. The other two brothers weren't too happy with me. I can tell you that much at that point. Oh, I bet. And, <laughs> and this time, me and Denise are still just dating. We're not married or anything. And so they were pretty livid with me and Randy that we both had left at that point, left the family business and went to work for Yamaha. And it was a it was a battle there for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, nobody was very happy about it. And so, um, went moved down there, started working, 
for Yamaha. And uh, that time, Fast was kind of getting out of the racing then too. And Tony kind of mm-hmm. went, went on his own. And that whole racing side of it kind of went away because then Fast was starting to definitely focus more on building a snowmobile. That mm-hmm. was kind of back in those days is kind of starting to build some prototypes of the first blade. Um mm-hmm very crude at <laughs> best, but it, it gave us the concept of where the blade ended up today, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Um, but it was very cool to be a part of that in the beginning with Gerard and David and Randy, for sure, in the first the first go around of fast, I should say, because I went back again at one point. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we, so from 96 to 2000, I was at Yamaha. Again, like I said, Randy was there for a little bit, and then Randy ended up leaving and going back to fast, and I stayed. And so we kept on working on suspension and all that at Yamaha. And at some point, Gerard, Randy, and David called me and said, hey, we need you to come back to fast because we got the snowmobile going, running, working. We're, we're launching it. We need you to come back to fast. And and. By that time, we mended all the fences of me and Randy leaving because Randy had went back, and now mm-hmm. they're working on getting me back there at the time. So we uh, eventually, in probably summer of – might have been the fall of, oh, of 2000. I don't remember exactly when it was. Ended up – went back to fast um, at that point, and then uh, we – by then we launched the blade, you know, so mm-hmm. got the blade rolling at that point and went back to fast, helped working, helped running the production line for first started out, went back to run the production line and all of the, everything that went around the M10 suspension at that time. And at mm-hmm. that same time is when we had did a license agreement with Polaris at that point to build, they, license we licensed them to put m10s in the polaris snowmobile mm-hmm. and with, with trade of that we ended up getting the engines to put into the blade snowmobile mm-hmm. so it was kind of a, a deal that the brothers had worked out with them to uh get that we needed an engine for the snowmobile if we didn't have an engine the snowmobile doesn't go very far <laughs> so but yeah um going past that you know we built we built worked and did the blade snowmobile for to about 2003 or so and then um again economy and timing and we had a very expensive snowmobile back in the in 2000 mm-hmm. 2001 we had a twenty-five thousand dollar snowmobile everybody thought we were crazy they're like you guys are not, you guys are so far out to lunch what are you doing it's like you can't sell a twenty-five thousand dollar snowmobile well we proved them wrong we did um we built we did build the snowmobiles for 20 some thousand dollars back in the early 2000s so um but when the economy goes bad um things slow down right and Mm -hmm. and at that point we had to decide what we're going to do for the company and at that time me me and randy left the company again um because Mm -hmm. everything was just it was just timing right we didn't want the Mm -hmm. company to go away but we had to do the right things to keep the company around so that there was something left. Right. And uh, so me and Randy left again, David and Gerard are still there to this day building stuff. Mm-hmm. The blade is still around doing some of that. So, but uh, yeah, at that point um, we had uh, 
moved on. So I'm still living in northern Minnesota and uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to do now because, I mean, northern Minnesota, if you really want a job, you got to go work in the mines. And uh, mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't looking to be a miner, that's for sure. At that point in my life, I still wanted to be in the snowmobile industry at some point. And I had had some feelers out there uh, talking to different people because, again, I'm in the industry for a long time and I'm working with a lot of different suspension companies mm-hmm. uh, when I'm at Fast and when I'm at Yamaha and during, I mean, old time of racing and stuff like that. So I talked to, so Michael Dawes was the sales guy. Yep, yep. At <laughs> time. So had a long history with him already because worked with him at fast you know mm-hmm. and talk to him one day and he and he goes i said hey i'm gonna be he's like are you I, now that everything has changed are you looking for a job and i'm like well I'm, yeah i'm looking for a job and at that point he's like hey maybe you want to come on and be our snowcross take care of snowcross and all this kind of stuff and i'm like well i'd be interested in it but i can't do part-time i just can't do the winter i need a full-time mm-hmm. job and he's like well at that time, Fox was only really doing the snowcross stuff at that point for racing, really focused on racing was the snowcross stuff. And so I said, ah, not, I'm not interested in that. I, I got to find something full time. So I I knew Steve Shearing because Steve Shearing was a racer for many, many years um, before he had a snowcross team and he was a long hit. He would come to fast too, like I would, because when he was racing, he was going to fast also to get performance parts and all that because he's in Aurora, Minnesota. It's not very mm-hmm. far from Minnesota. So, again, got to know him a little bit there. Friend of the family, of the Carpic family, of course. knew They all knew him, right? Because he was, he was. I mean, when you're in northern Minnesota, Aurora and Eveleth, you're, you're like in your backyard, you know. So, got to know him there. And then, so I went over and saw him one day and I said, hey, Steve, I know you got this race team kind of looking for a job. Um, what do you think? And he's like, and at this time we were kind of rolling into the fall time. And uh, he's like, sure. Yeah, I need a guy. I need a guy. And so ended up going to work for Steve for that winter thinking like, ah, I need something to do for the winter anyway. So started racing at DJ and, and um, at DJ and uh, Tate, Justin mm-hmm. Tate, our two drivers at the time. Uh, we're on Polaris's and uh, ended up going to work for him. And at that time, the the sleds were the old, the older chassis before the IQ chassis. And mm-hmm. uh, and we went through that. And then they had introduced us to the new chassis. Um, and we Dennis uh, DJ was the first guy to start racing on the new one with Polaris and all that kind of stuff. And was that the uh, that was the the Shrek build? Yeah, the, the fusion. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So um, I was involved with that quite a bit and working with players. And I knew a bunch of the players guys already because of the collaboration that we had with Polaris with the M10 suspension. So I was up in Roseau quite a bit because I was the guy that was kind of working back and forth, doing some of the testing with Polaris and and stuff like that with um, Jeff Bennett and Putsky and all these old time Polaris guys for many, many years, you know, and it was fun to hang out with those guys and do that. And then, and then went, when that new sled come and I was working at Shearing's, uh, started working with Rick Bates at that time. He was mm-hmm. a big part of that whole sled and worked a lot with Rick Bates on that sled and stuff like that. 
And uh, so that was pretty fun to be a part of that sled and developing a new race sled at that time. Because, I mean, it was so different than what anything that Polaris had had at the point. There was a lot of – it was a big learning curve for everybody, right? But we were pretty successful coming out of the gate with it, which um, you, you never know, right? It's it's racing and it's new and it's, it's fun. And uh, so it was pretty fun to see the successes that we had pretty quick, pretty early on. So um, – it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work mm-hmm. going on, going into that thing. So, so anyways, went went through that winter, and then comes the springtime, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, and Steve's like, well, why don't you stay on with me, and we're going to go. And he was starting to buy some heavy equipment and stuff like that. And we started doing a little bit of heavy equipment work and working around the shop. So I ended up staying on with Steve for that summer, the next winter, the next summer in the next winter and at that point fox was coming on with atvs and so Mm -hmm. they call michael dawes calls me again he's like okay we're ready i'm like what do you mean you're ready (laughs) what does this mean michael and he goes well i have a full-time position for you summer and winter you're going to race you're going to keep doing your snowcross thing all winter long but then in the summer you're going to go race atv and i said okay i'll think about it and few weeks went by he calls me up again he's like no no i really need to make a decision here what we're going to do because we're going to go atv racing we're really serious about it we want to go and take this market you know we have a cool new product that you've been racing in the snowcross world we want to bring that same product over in the atv world calling our float shocks at the time it was all new for the atv world just like it had been for the snowmobile world but we had already passed that stage so i agreed to do it ended up working out of my house in Eveleth, Minnesota for about six, eight months, not quite a year, I guess. And then ended up, we moved to Brainerd at that point because my parents were down there and, and stuff like that. So worked out of my house in Eveleth, did the whole Snowcross series. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we ended up then going into the summer, started doing ATVs and started having really good success in ATV really winning lots of stuff, winning championships right out of the gate. First year with John Natale wins a mm-hmm. championship, dominated season. The only really, we only had one guy on our stuff and everybody was just like blown away with it and couldn't believe that we could come out with this whole new technology and be so dominant in the ATV world. And we had told everybody, it was like, we're winning on Snowcross and we're winning all this stuff. And But at this time, these people, they don't watch snowmobile racing. They're down and they're out on the East Coast and they're, they're, they know of Snowcross, but they're not really into it, you know, not like we are and stuff like this. So they didn't really know how or what the severity of the racing was and how it would relate to ATV racing and all this kind of stuff. And, and me and... Uh, by the guy in the name of Everett, Everett Erickson that's still at Fox to this day uh, with me. And uh, me and him were going around and doing all this ATV racing. He would help get – he helped me get the – he was the engineer that kicked the project off. We went to some of the races, and then I worked, and I took it over from then and went to the rest of the races for the season. And, again, we went and dominated with John Natale, won the championship, won, like, a lot of races that year and just – blew people's mind how we did it and and then it just exploded from there because were uh were were these the 
the East Coast ATV, the the Honda years for Natalia, or was this Can Am already? No, this was Honda years. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is the Honda years. So this is in 06, 05, 06. So this okay. is the early Honda years with John, and um, so we ended up. Then at that point, we started. We had everybody coming to us, and it was Suzuki was starting to come to us, and the Cowie team wasn't started yet, and Can Am wasn't there yet, but everybody was was looking at what we were doing right and and warnet racing was doing the gncc series with a bunch mm-hmm. of the utility stuff so those guys i would see those guys at the snowcross race and they were talking to me about hey brp's thinking about getting into the 450s and you know and i'm just thinking it's like we're at a snowmobile race and these guys are talking about atv stuff and it, it was it was quite interesting that as mm-hmm. big as the industry is or small i would say uh, it's big because um Everybody knows everybody in the industry from the Warnets and and all those days of ATV was a lot of fun back in the day. That's for sure. We had we traveled a lot. <laughs> was, an, oh, yeah. was, was an understatement of travel because <laughs> we're living in Minnesota and going to Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky. I mean, again, it, and everybody said, "Don't worry about it, Rick. It's this is the summer sport, and you have a winter sport." Well, nobody told me that the summer sport and the winter sport would collide so much because of all of the testing and when the racing season mm-hmm. kicked off and, and nobody really, when, and I didn't know that much about ATV racing. I mean, I knew what ATV racing was, but I didn't know the series. I didn't know the dates that well. And mm-hmm. uh, everybody said, don't worry about it. You have plenty of time. Well, that wasn't the case. <laughs> it was not the case. It was like I was never home, and uh, and I needed to be gone more. And and then at that point, um, the ATV was growing so so quickly. Snowcross was still going like it always was, and we were and we had more teams that wanted us to snowcross. So at that point, I had to called up Michael Dawes, and I said, "We need to hire another guy." And he's like, "Well, you can't be that busy." I'm like have you looked at my travel schedule lately? And he's like, oh, yeah, I have. But I said, but you don't understand is, is when am I taking time off? You can see my schedule and you can see there's no days off. He's like, no, I get it. Let's go a little bit longer and we'll see how this pans out. And then so we do. We go a little bit longer. And I say, Michael, I can't handle this anymore. And at this point, Michael had just left the company and a new guy by the name of Wes Allinger took over and I go to Wes. I was like, Wes, I need to hire another guy. We're too busy out here. Cause at this time, Fox was still pretty small. Fox is a smaller company and, and we didn't really have these satellite things. We had two offices big. We had an office in Northern California in Watsonville, California. We had a Southern office in El Cajon, California that was run by John Marking. Um, and that was kind of all we had at that point. We were much smaller than we are nowadays. And mm-hmm. uh, and I talked to Wes and finally convinced Wes, yep, you can hire a guy. And at that point, um, we started putting some feelers out. And uh, again, from the Snowcross stuff and run into new and been talking to Ben Hayes because he was on Levi's team. And at that point, Levi's team and Tim Bender was our um, – our main team that we were dealing with from the player side, doing a ton of work with those guys. And um, so ended up, we ended up hiring Ben. He'd come on board with us because he was, we needed to, uh, 
divide and conquer. And at first was, was we worked together for a while and then we had to divide and conquer because there were just way too many events to try to support. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben come on board and he was there work. I mean, he was a godsend for me at the time because I was just like, I was just going crazy. And this mm-hmm. time I was, I built a new house in Brainerd and trying to get that going and still racing every weekend. And my wife is home trying to get everything figured out at that point. And um, so it was really helped me a ton having Ben around and he's a great guy works. I mean, he was a working machine just like I was. I mean, we just divide and conquered and just went out and just kept on winning. I mean, we kept on winning championships in snowcross and we kept on winning championships in the ATV and we started trickling into the GNCC and then uh, we did some mini some of the mini stuff in motocross and we just kept going because we were so much success going on that the company just said, okay, let's do this now. Let's do this now. So at that point, we're probably in early two. No, we're probably two thousand eight or so at this point. And uh, I like, well, we need. I need a truck driver. And they're like, what do you mean you need a truck? I need somebody to drive these truck around because I just again, we have success. It only drives more business. It only drives more. Mm-hmm. Have to do more, right? So I ended up hiring a truck driver and. We moved to another shop over at my mom and dad's house, which was originally my old race shop because uh, my mom and dad's house was only five, six, seven miles from my house. So it's like, well, let's, we were getting too big for, we we're working out of my garage and we we're working out of the semi. So I have the semi that's we still have to this day that we still use. Um, we call it the old girl. And that semi was originally the old Black Magic trailer from way back. Oh, nice! With Tim Bergen, we still have that trailer today, and that trailer is still used to this day, <laughs> uh, which is quite a amazing story. A lot of people say, "Why do we keep on using it?" But I was like, "Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Why would we get rid of it?" You know? Oh yeah, and uh, you know, I I did one of these with uh, with Joey Hallstrom a while ago, and he's now at Argo. Yep. And I, I toured Argo and I told him when I walked out the back, I was like, oh, the stories this room could tell. I bet yep. that trailer is the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so anyway, we moved over to my over to my, over my old shop and I cleaned it all up because it had been sitting for 10, 15 years. And it was just all full of stuff. You know, my dad mm. just filled it full of whatever he felt like going to an auction or to a garage sale with to buy at that time. We, a bunch of us from work, uh, there was, was me, Ben, and the truck driver. We ended up spending like a week or so cleaning out this shop, and this is going to be our new shop for uh, Brainerd Baxter team at that point. We got that cleaned out and uh, started working out of there, and then I ended up hiring another guy. And then and at that point, Ben... Ben had left at that point, Ben had left us, went to work for Walker Evans. And so I needed somebody and Randy Carpick was then he was in between jobs or something like that. Cause he was, he was at IndyCar and then he come back to Evelyn and he was doing something else. And I called up Randy as like, Randy, I need somebody to come and help me do race support. Cause we're getting right into the winter season. And we're like, Hey, we need, I need some help. And so they're like, I'll come and help you. So I brought him on. I don't know if he'd come on at full time or just that winter. I don't remember for sure. But needless to say, he's still here to this day at Fox. And uh, 
he come on board and he dug in and helped us and went to all the snowcross races and stuff like that. And uh, actually, the funny thing, now that I think about it, Randy was with me. So Randy, so I was at Fast. Me and Randy went to Yamaha. We both went back to Fast. I went to Shearings. He ended up coming to Shearings for a little bit. <laughs> then I left and went to Fox. He was still at Shearings for a little bit. Then he ended up coming with me at Fox, and he's still here with me at Fox. So me and Randy have worked together <laughs> a lot of years together in many different locations, that's for sure. So quite an interesting story there. And probably wasn't for Randy. I don't know if I would be in this uh, <laughs> in this role because he's the one that told Gerard that I'm – I'm hiring him. I hired him. And it's like, no, we don't want him working here. It's like, oh gosh. So anyway, I owe a lot to Randy, that's for sure, because he's probably a lot of the reasons why I'm where I am today, because he told Gerard, no, he's working here. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, now that I think about it, you know, you don't think about all that stuff in, at the time until you, oh, geez, he's been yeah. everything now. <laughs> Attention snowmobile racers. When it comes to dominating the track, trust the experts at Woody's Traction and Control. Their cutting-edge products are engineered for peak performance, providing unmatched grip and control in every turn. Don't let the competition catch up. Upgrade your sled with Woody's Traction and Control products today. Visit www.woodystraction.com and experience the winning difference. Woody's Traction and Control, where precision meets victory on the snow. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of funny looking back on this entire story because it's basically just kind of like, like, like old school racing where a lot of your technical knowledge just comes from racing and testing, like just, yep. just like grassroots testing and learning on the job, like just trial by fire is where a lot of your knowledge seems to come from. Exactly. No, and that was. I mean, nowadays it's definitely changed. Nowadays there's a lot more. Not we don't do that as much as we used to, but I still. I still always go back to it because that's how I got to where we are, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like, I know it's made it easier with all the technology of, of computers and data acquisition and all that. I mean, we do a ton of that now, especially from a suspension side. It's just so much of that. We try to get rid of the, the way I always put it in simple man's words is let's, let's stop guessing so much and just get a little bit of data, but we still have to trial and error and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's still, mm -hmm the best way to do it in my opinion, but let's not maybe do it as much as we used to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it, uh, so at that point now we ended up, um, being at my dad's shop, Randy's on board with me. Now we're in like two, 2010, 2011. We ended up getting a, a shop in town because I've added more people because now we have sales, we have service, we have race. And we need a bigger mm -hmm. shop. So we, mo we moved to Baxter, Minnesota, where we are today, uh, in the same building that we are. And uh, and right now we, I don't know, we have like just about 20 employees here in Baxter that I manage from, we're, we're from sales, service, production, race, and we have some trucks here and stuff yet that are all run out of our Baxter, Minnesota office. And uh, it's been a... Quite a journey, that's for sure. And, you know, from the days of <laughs> the days of, I don't know if I'm gonna have a job the next day to where we are today. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's to think about it. It's funny because, like, for years before I knew the true story, I just, 
you know, I look at all these other locations that Fox has and, you know, obviously having a, an office in Minnesota, very strategic for, for the snowmobile industry. But I always just wondered what the significance of Baxter was like, it's, you know, I, I've talked about it a couple of times, like between, between you guys and EPI, like there's, it's a little bit of a snowmobile Mecca, but at least for Fox, it seemed totally random at the time. Yeah. But it sounds like that location, you're you're largely to thank for that. Yeah, for sure. No, I get that question a lot. I mean, I'll be in California. Say I'll be out in Glamis, California, and I'll be talking to customers or something like that. And they're like, well, where are you from? I'm like, from Minnesota. They're like, really? Why? How do you have a job at Fox? You know, and I kind of tell them the story. I mean, it's more often than not, people are blown away that we have an office in Minnesota because they don't understand how and why. Because again, if it wasn't for the snowmobile industry, Fox, maybe it wouldn't even be here today. Because again, if it wasn't for Jack Struthers and Kirk Herbert pushing or working with Bob and Fox to get the suspension working on snowmobiles and ultimately getting an OEM contract with them, um, Bob to this day will say that. I mean, he did an interview that we have up at our facility saying that he's like man if it wasn't for the snowmobile industry and what it did for me back in the day because at that point fox was like a couple people and they didn't know what they were going to do right they it was it was tough going back then and so i really believe if it wasn't for jack and kirk i mean and with bob of course i mean bob was the brains of the shock and those two guys made the shocks work right you know they were the ones giving the feedback saying we need to make this different we need to do this different who knows what fox would be this day you know which is cool to say is you look at the size of fox right now and to say that the snowmobile industry had a huge part of making fox what it is today is is a really cool statement for me being a snowmobile guy being in the snowmobile industry my whole life, um, it's really fun to to tell that story because even a lot of people at Fox did not realize that, right? They didn't realize how important the snowmobile industry is. How can a company in Southern California or uh, Northern California be so heavily involved in the snowmobile industry? It doesn't make sense, right? Because it's just, there's so much distance between Minnesota, even where Jack and Boise, Idaho, it's still a long distance, but it was such a huge part of making fox what it is today which is cool yeah i'm sure if you if you went back in a time machine and, and told those guys early on hey you got this cool aftermarket shock but fast forward 30 years you're gonna have an oem contract with every power sports manufacturer in the world in some capacity they yep. would have told you you were insane yep yeah you would say what are you guys talking about you know <laughs> So it's, it's pretty fun to be a part of the snowmobile industry and, and especially being at Fox, you know, it's, it's been a, I mean, I've been here 19 years now at Fox, you know, I'm kind of one of the old guys here now. And I don't want to, I don't say that all the time, but you know, I'm getting to be one of the old guys here and uh, it's been a fun ride and uh, it's, it's keeping going. Like I said, you know, from us building shock, I mean, when we started, we were only race. That's all we did worry about going to races and then it trickled into OEM testing and it trickled into sales and it trickled into service. And now uh, two years ago, we're building shocks in Baxter, Minnesota. We're building all of our aftermarket snow line in Baxter, Minnesota. So it's, it's been fun. It's been fun to grow it, you know, from myself, I'm the only guy here 19 years ago to 
almost 20 employees now here at this facility. So it's, it's fun. It's a cool ride. I wouldn't trade anything for it. So if we look at like a, a calendar year basis, how much of your time do you think these days is split between snow and off-road stuff? I would say the off-road stuff has definitely takes over um, just because mm-hmm. we race so much more. Um, mm-hmm. We, with, I would say 60% of the time I'm dealing with off-road stuff. Um, it, that's trickling down a little bit now that we're building, now that we have a production line and I have more people on board at my facility. Um, that's mm-hmm. definitely helping me manage the workload um, just because we have so many f- big teams in UTV racing right now. It's UTV racing. We still do some ATV racing to this day. Um, uh, it's much smaller than it used to be, but the UTV, of course, is taking over. Um, we just got done winning um, the Baja 1000 with the factory team with Cadence McCachron, uh, won, in, won the overall in the Baja 1000. And the, the team, the first year team uh, for the factory team was pretty awesome to see them win the 1000 and to win the overall with Brock Hager was, was quite, uh, is really cool to see because it's been a long year getting the car to where it is right now. We, it's like everything. When you bring out something brand new, you always have some struggles with it, right? There's always mm-hmm. some late nights. And uh, we wonder we wonder if we were going to make it to the first race um, this spring, or I would say in February, last February, um, if we were even going to make it to the first race. And we come out and uh, we win the overall season's points championship, and we won um, every race uh, with one of their cars. And uh, – won the Baja 1000, which was 1,310 miles long, which was mm-hmm. crazy amount of distance. So it was fun. It's fun. The UTV racing is a new a new sport, right? You know, snowmobile racing is a long history, and UTV racing is such a new sport compared to snowmobile racing and ATV racing. Because um, you got to remember, in 2008, 2007, that's when the UTVs were starting to really come on and be something. And to be a part of that too again i mean i've been a part of that since the ground forward too you know doing mm-hmm. all the utv racing along with the guys in el cajon the el cajon team um definitely have a, helped me out a lot because they're down there but ultimately i i own the program but those guys give me a ton of support out of the el cajon facility um to be able to go out and somebody needs something they can just run down there and grab it which it helps me a ton right it's no different mm-hmm. than the snow it's like them trying to do it up here in minnesota somebody needs something they just come over and get it from us at our facility which makes us very as a company very strong right we have locations in the right places to help our customers be successful mm-hmm. so. so sticking with with snow what's the average day look like for you during the season, like during snowmobile season? So the average day looks like um, right now with production and everything, the first thing, first and foremost, get in in the morning, make sure what's going on an average day, see what needs to go out the door. And then working with Mike Jap and, and him and understanding where he's at with snowcross teams, where he's at with Shearing's team, where he's at with the cat teams, what we need for parts and stuff and a testing schedule working like on a Monday morning. That's very common is like, Hey, come in. What do we got to do this week? What do we have to go testing? Where are we going? You know, we're always going 
early season. We're always at shearings, of course. So, like, the last couple of weeks, that's where Mike has been probably three to four days a week. I've been up there a couple of days with him, but mainly he's up there uh, doing all that, um, taking care of shearing, and now the cat teams are there working with mm-hmm. him. And uh, so it's looking at what we got to get out the door, working on what needs to be done with the, the teams and all that, and then also um, developing new stuff for the aftermarket world is another big, really big key point of what I do is taking care of aftermarket now, is, is owning and, and working on the new product line for aftermarket, for snowmobile mm-hmm. side of it. And now that's being built in our facility, um, we have taken over a lot of that which I have an engineering, a great engineering staff out of California that works with me hand in hand. And uh, I have a great test group out there too that do a lot of the internal testing before we even take it to the snow, right? We, we, mm-hmm. we get away a lot of the bugs before we get it on the snow with them. And so um, that's kind of what my day is right now. It's what we got to build, what we got to test and tune, and then what are we doing next for the aftermarket snow line? Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm doing like right now. I mean, like I said, I just got back from Colorado. I was out with Chris Barant. We were testing and tuning a little bit. We didn't have great snow conditions last uh, this week, but we have been on the snow a little bit and uh, waiting for some more snow to hit the ground. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we need we need more here. I'm sure, as you can see, we got we got nothing down here in the cities. So I know it's, it's a pretty it's pretty grim around here for sure, but. Uh, just got to go to the mountains. They're they're going to get hammered this week, this weekend. So I'm heading back out there. So Monday, Monday, I'm jumping on an airplane. Just left all of our stuff out in Colorado, jumping on an airplane mm-hmm. and going right back out there. And uh, I'll be with Chris uh, next few days out there working on some mount, some new mountain stuff. And then uh, we're going to be working on some new trail stuff too and some new snowcross stuff. We're working on some new snowcross uh, technology and just trying to improve the sport, right? We're just trying to, Fox is a cutting edge company and uh, it's fun to be a part of it. And it's fun to help bring new technology into the sport of snowmobiling. It's fun. And from the mountainside, you got to remember, I work with ambassadors, racers, and production guys, you know, and and the, the racers and the ambassadors are the fun really fun to work with those guys and come up with some new ideas and and then ultimately trickles into the OEM stuff. And that's kind of how it works at Fox is we want to go race it. We want to develop it in racing to get all the bugs worked out of it and then bring it to the OEM and let him uh, give it to the masses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, Rick, let's, uh, let's transition into the Woody's would you rather segment. So I'm going to give you, Two things that are not ideal in any way, and you have to pick one of them and justify why you picked that one, if you think you're up for it. Yeah. (laughs) So, too much rebound or too much preload? Uh, Too much rebound. Yeah, okay. Okay. Why why would you say that? Uh, It just goes too slow. (laughs) <laughs> Fair. Uh, what, what do you, what do you mean by too much rebounding what, what is that statement about well i guess it's more just like too quickly like would yep. you rather rebound too quickly or have too much preload 
So I, I would, I would definitely, I would, I, as this time in my life, I would, I'd like to be too much rebound just to slow down a little bit because it's, mm-hmm. I seem like I'm always got too much preload in my life right now. It's like <laughs> with all the employees and everything else and uh, the company growing and it's, it's like anything. If you're going to grow, you got to keep evolving. You got to keep making cool stuff And Fox's motto is we're never done. Right. And so mm-hmm. you have that motto that preload is all the time. We, we, mm-hmm. our company is built on preload. So I like to add a little rebound every once in a while. <laughs> everybody wants it to keep going more and we have to, and I get it. I agree with it too. It's, it, that's the fun part about Fox is we have to keep adding preload because otherwise we're just going to be another company. Oh, that's, that's some awesome perspective for sure. For sure. So So, next one, and I know you've done both of these, but rather do shock testing in a hot desert or a cold snow cross track. Yeah. I'll always take the cold, cold snow cross. I'm a a snow guy by heart, of course, but I love, Mm -hmm. I love my, I love UTV racing too. I love being in the desert, but again, I love the cold weather. That's just who I am. I'm a Northern Minnesota guy. <laughs> so these, this next one, they re, they both really, really suck. I don't want to do either of them, but <laughs> would you rather try and remove um, uh, the preload rings from, without a spanner wrench or, or install a spring on a shock without a spring compression tool? <laughs> yeah, that one is, uh, I've done both. <laughs> I, I can say this. I've done both, and and both of them do not are no fun. Um, yep. <laughs> it, it, for me, I, I would the way I would. I know this is probably some springs are way easier to put on than than uh, mm-hmm. others, of course. And when the preload rings are locked on, it's like no matter what you have, it doesn't seem it ever loosens up. <laughs> <laughs> I've done both. Trust me, I've been in situations like, how am I going to get this spring off of here? Because I got to put this one. And I could be working out of a back of a rental car, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, remember we're traveling everywhere, so you don't always have all the tools you need. Um, mm-hmm. But you improvise, and you normally get it done every time, <laughs> one way or the other. It seems like it happens, but uh, I would probably go with the spring. The spring, okay. Them preload rings are miserable. Oh yeah, and as no everybody doubt. knows, uh, that's one area that it's still blows my mind that we are where we are with that still to this day (laughs) drives me crazy Uh, next one for you would you rather test with a rider who gives absolutely terrible feedback for testing or test with a rider who has no idea what they're actually looking for (laughs) boy you really give that's a really (laughs) um uh uh, probably the guy with uh, terrible feedback, but at least he has some kind of feedback. The guy that doesn't know what he's doing, he has no clue what he's trying to tell you, right? And uh, I, I mean, I've dealt with both uh, over the time. You know, there's there's really good there's really good people to work with, and there's some guys that's just like, man, I don't even know how you got on this snowmobile some days. I don't even know how you got into the UTV because. You sure don't know what you're doing, but whatever. It's you. You figured it out somehow. <laughs> that is for All sure. Right. Uh, last one, and it's similar to one of the other ones I asked. But work the Baja 1000, but you can't drink any liquids or any water the whole day, or 
a snow cross race, but you can't wear any gloves the entire day. <laughs> um, I'd probably go for the the Baja because man, when your fingers are frozen and they're like blocks of ice, mm-hmm. so fun. I mean, I get it; you can get dehydrated and all that, but I take I take the desert. <laughs> all right, all right, fair, fair. Yeah. My fingers awesome. have been cold many times, and it sucks. I, I mean, I I think I can take not drinking water a lot longer. I can with frozen fingers, that's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I've had them both. <laughs> uh, so, just uh, just a couple more for you here, Rick. I won't keep you too much longer, but um, coolest sled you think you've ever ridden, and it can be one of your race sleds or anybody else's race sled, or even just a production sled. Coolest sled you've ever ridden. I mean, I, I got to go back. I mean, I'm going to go back to my the blades. I mean, I'm going to mm-hmm. go back to the blade for sure. That was by far. I mean, there's some really good sleds right now today. Don't get me wrong. But for for me is, is to be a part of that program and to be a part of building a snowmobile is that will never, ever. That will always be one of my huge accomplishments and love riding that snowmobile for sure. It's awesome. Best snowmobile rider you think you've ever worked with on suspension? And by best, I mean just like easiest, knows what they want, gives good feedback, stuff like that. On snowmobile? Yeah. Um, I would say it's got to be Tucker for sure. Mm-hmm. Tucker was really, he, Tucker knew what he wanted, right? He, mm-hmm. he had the experience, he had the knowledge. Um, and I, I really believe between when you put Kirk and Tucker both together, I mean, it's just, they knew what they wanted and needed and, and they were very success. They could relay the message very good to you. And what you would watch on the track is exactly what was happening. And there's a lot of guys that can do that, but it's just the success that they had with the feedback and stuff was bar none, the one of the best ever. For sure. No doubt. No doubt. Last one for you. Just looking at your entire career as a whole, there's a lot of really cool opportunities, cool faces, stuff like that. But any advice for any of the listeners that are trying to break into the the power sports industry as a whole? Don't ever word. Don't ever use the word no. Just keep pushing hard. That's what I always tell anybody that and everybody that wants to do something in any industry. It doesn't matter if you have the passion for it. You just can't say no. It just got to say yes and just push forward. It's like, again, I probably wouldn't be here today without Randy letting me have a job, but I just wouldn't, Gerard kept on telling me no, and I just wouldn't take that answer. I just kept showing up every day. And then finally Randy hired me, and that's where we are. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good way to sum it up because, like I said earlier, like it's just, it's all, every person you meet you make the most of the opportunity and you take it as far as you can go and there's it's there's a lot of truth to that yep for sure i agree i I will never there's a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff that would make people a lot um stronger right they just keep pushing harder it's just part of life man you have to keep pushing uh to get what you want so well, we can wrap it up for you, Rick. I, yeah. Again, I, I really appreciate the time. I know it's a crazy busy time of year for you guys, just with everything going on in the snowmobile world, but really appreciate the time and I really appreciate the stories for sure. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it too. Absolutely. Rick Strobel on the Carbide Podcast.
When I went back to listen to this one, all I had was more and more questions. He deserves a part two sometime down the road, no doubt. Big thanks again to Rick for his time, especially around this time of year. He has so much tribal knowledge when it comes to snowmobiles that you can see why he was a prime candidate for a guest on this show. Thanks again to Woody's for their support. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the Would You Rather segment. It's always interesting to see people's reactions. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on socials, check out the merch site, and as always, take care. <laughs>